Today, I'm inviting you to explore holistic detoxification with herbalist Erin Lovell Verinder here on the Low Tox Life Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. We are at show 316 and that means there are 315 shows that you might not have listened to if you're new here, but if you are returning, welcome back. And if you want to explore different parts of the show, given we are now in our seventh year, the easiest way you can do that and find a big group of the subjects that you might be interested in right now, because our low tox priorities change, whether we're focused on personal health right now or environment, food, body, home, mind, wherever you want to go, we've actually categorized all of the shows that we've done. So head to lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast click on the categorization button that you'll see there and you will then see everything grouped. You even have like kids and parent topics, women's health topics. Uh, So it makes it really handy if you are newer on the scene uh, as a listener to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Today's conversation is about detoxification and we've done some biochemical detox quite technical shows before about the mechanism, what's happening in the liver, uh, detoxification of hormones, etc. Some really um, fantastic shows, but I really wanted to bring what herbal medicine has to offer and what approaching nature and getting closer to nature has to offer us in the world of detoxification and how, yes, we need detoxification support, especially in our crazy modern world with all of the man-made things that we've added that certainly weren't the original biological plan. However, uh, the the beauty of approaching uh, herbal medicine and getting to know certain plants and making friends and seeing the different ways that we can use those plants in our everyday uh, is really powerful. You know, we often think, okay, I need an appointment, I need labs, and yeah, those things are absolutely appropriate uh, time and place. But what I love about Erin Erin's work as a herbalist and nutritionist is her desire for us to all feel like the barrier to health and healing is not behind the lock screen of an appointment book. Uh, And we can start today and it can be done in small and beautiful, delicious, simple ways. And, uh, and she's so good at empowering people in their own health. It's really her superpower. So uh, I'm going to hook into that show in just a little minute. But before I do, I want to remind you that we have two wonderful sponsors, our major sponsor, Oz Climate, who are with us all year again. Uh, Huge thanks to them. The show couldn't do what it does without you guys. So I really appreciate you. And it helps our listeners, you guys out there listening now, make your low-tox swaps a little bit easier on the hip pocket and get to know some fantastic low-tox brands that I heavily vet, use myself always. Uh, and I'm so proud to share with you. So you have 10% off all year round the wonderful air filters and dehumidifiers in the Oz Climate range. You can head to ozclimate.com.au or you can give them a call if you're not too sure what size unit you need based on your floor plan or climate. Um, they're always happy to help with an email or a quick phone call. 
uh, to, to help you find what you need. So enjoy that one. That's an Australian offer only, but an offer that I have for Australia and the US is from the wonderful Australian business BioFirst. Uh, these formulations are fantastic, and this month you have $20 off their kids' remedy kit. So instead of $130 for the four products, it's $110. It's automatically applied. You can hit the link right there in our show notes, so lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast, and click on today's show, and it'll be there for you, or the link in bio on the Lowtox Life Instagram. Or you could just head to bio-first.com.au hit their search bar, Kids Remedy Kit, and it'll be right there. It's been applied specially for you guys. So this is a super versatile remedy kit for all the growing up mishaps, the red irritated skin, the cut, the sniffle, the sore throat, the sensitive skin, and much, much more. So I want to actually read you a couple of the reviews Uh, my daughter loves the taste of the kids Manuka defense spray. When I first gave it to her, her eyes widened and she said, more please. And for anyone who grew up in the eighties and nineties and had to drink those revolting, uh, synthetic, um, sprays and, and syrups that we had, uh, it is honestly like delicious. I mean, for me tasting this beautiful herbal formulation with, uh, um, gorgeous native plum in there. It's, it's actually, it actually is delicious. I agree with this person's daughter, Courtney out there who, who left that review. Um, Mimi said, this product is wonderful. Both my little ones love the taste to know there's something on the market. That's all natural and still helps protect their immunity effectively. Gives me great relief. Cannot recommend it more. And then for the couple of products in the kit that are more driven towards skin, Stephanie says, my daughter initially complained that the self-heal salve stung her open scrape, but after we tried, uh, but we're familiar with using essential oils and know that they could be pretty strong and tingly at first. So she opted not to wash it off after two uses. The scrape's appearance had improved dramatically. So that's the self-heal salve that they're talking about. And uh, the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful ultra-sensitive uh, skin rescue lotion for eczema, dermatitis, psoriasis, um, or really aggravated skin. Boy, is that powerful. And it is so gentle and yet effective. Uh, it has incredible amounts of rave reviews. So try the kids remedy kit, $20 off. I know you guys are going to love it. Uh, and now it's time to talk about herbal detoxification, but actually before I do, I know you might have noticed the new tune if you've been listening for a while, and that is from my beautiful friend, Lior, who is an ARIA award-winning artist here in Australia. If you want to know what the track is and what album it's from, so you can download on Spotify or iTunes, it's Caught Up, and it's from his 2014 album, Reflections. And I just love this song. I love his music. He's such a good guy, as well as being a prolific artist. And it's a pleasure to have him and his guitar gracing our show for the next couple of years. Uh, So I encourage you to go check out his music. Okay, now I promise we're going to talk detoxification and herbs. Here is Erin Lovell Verinder to usher us through in such a beautiful way. Enjoy. Hello, Erin. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, love. How are you? I am great. And I am so excited to be doing this show with you because it's January, it's a fresh year as we record this, 
And uh, a lot of people think, you know, this is the year I'm going to feel my best. I'm going to make an effort. Uh, And when I was thinking about um, wanting to do a new show on detoxification, bringing in herbal medicine, I, I instantly went to you because I love the way you reframe the the whole idea of incorporating herbs and getting and feeling and getting well as a connection, a deepening connection to nature as the first and foremost starting point for that rather than externalizations that we all tend to go down rabbit holes and, oh, they've got the answer. Oh, that's the protocol I need to do. Oh, those are the people I need to be um, listening to. And while I'm very grateful you're all listening to us now, um, I think we can put a fresh spin on this and go much deeper into what detoxification represents in our busy modern world. Uh, And it may mean, you know, you might not even live in the city, you might be regional and you might be thinking, I don't love the sprays my neighbour's using uh, agriculturally. There's so many different modern things that are used that our bodies just go, oh, what the hey now? Uh, And the beauty of finding our way to health amidst that is uh, we can actually find nature every day in our kitchens, in our little balcony gardens, and you inspire us to do that every day. So the first question I have for you is why herbal medicine for you? How did that journey begin? You know, I, I'm just, you know, really thinking back and like where it all began was just my origin story with nature as a child. You know, I always really felt so at home in nature and really enamoured by nature. And when I sort of started to understand that there was, you know, more to a tree or more to a plant or more to a flower than it being pretty or something to sit under, you know, or something to climb as a child, I realised, oh, okay, so flowers and leaves and roots and barks and berries can actually be healing and medicinal like once I got my head around that as a child just through even people talking about um, my grandma making like a sage tea for you know a sore throat or you know um, a ginger tea for an upset belly and I was my little mind was blown I <laughs> think around oh my goodness wow nature can be healing and then I think it took me you know into my sort of mid-20s to really go, oh, that's herbalism. Oh, that's what I want to pursue, you know, to put really two and two together that this is actually a path where you can have a career, you can study, you can become a herbalist and you can practice and you can write books and all the things I've I've done now and I'm doing. But I think it all just began when I was small, just with Mm. that invitation into nature. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, as you said that about the teas, Uh, I remember being in my grandmother's kitchen and I used to get quite sick when I went to visit her her in Mauritius. I now know that uh, in Mauritius it's very tropical, there's a lot of mould, and I have a feeling now knowing my genetics and and constitution that my immune system would be suppressed when I got there because of the onslaught of exposures and then I'd get sick. It happened every single time. It's only years later that I've understood the pattern and potential causality and um, I do remember the things that she would lift me up with were either very intensely nourishing whole foods like I would get the venison steak and everyone else would have whatever whatever everyone else was having for dinner but I would get to have the venison 
Um, or I would have the fleur d'oranger, which is orange blossom as a, a pick-me-up. And of course, it's a pick-me-up. We now scientifically know that. But they didn't need the science to know that. It was more just this storytelling and passing down right. information, right? Totally, which mm. is what herbalism is. And, mm. and, and, and also, like you mentioned, the venison, these ancestral ways of eating as well in terms of, like, I'm a nutritionist too, so I really appreciate that, thinking about food in an ancestral way. Um, but, you know, absolutely. I mean, so much about herbalism is, is, actually, is ancient traditions. We only know what we know based on what has come from the past and therefore also what we practice and what is ahead. That is how this has been passed on. Of course, we have modern herbalism and clinical herbalism and we have ways now we've, you know, we have a different kind of approach to herbalism. The way that it's taught now is much more evidence-based, but everything comes from the past in terms of our understanding of plants. Mm. It really does. And as you learnt that, and and I guess I'm curious to know when you're learning it formally as a degree, um, how much focus is there on Indigenous cultures and learning how people have worked with those plants? Or, or is it more of a, okay, we take this and we're doing five mils or we're doing five drops and it's this constitution or those... Like, what does it look like to study herbal medicine at the moment in a modern college? Mm. It's very clinical um, mm. and has become more increasingly clinical and evidence-based and therefore I think is sort of at risk of missing a lot of the heart and connectivity of the ancient traditions and also, yeah, who actually, how do we get here? You know, yeah, who actually exactly. paved the way for us to get here and to acknowledge that. And, um, I mean, I do a lot of mentoring with emerging practitioners and students, and that's the main thing that's married to me is, I j like, the, where's the heart? Where's the soul? Um, where's the intuition? And I think that that's really tricky, and that's, I think, tricky in terms of where we're moving in terms of naturopathic medicine and herbal medicine and even nutritional medicine. Um, but... You know, a lot of the, definitely like in my classes, and this, this is a long time ago as well, when I was studying um, you know, 20 years ago, you know, the 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 kind of uh, materia medica, when we got to learn a plant, you know, you would, you would have to, um, you'd have the picture of the plant, so the sort of the botany of the plant, and then you'd have the actions and you'd sort of have a brief story. So there would be sort of a nod to, you know, say echinacea being, uh, Native, indigenous Native American plant and how Native American, you know, people and, and healers would use that plant. There was acknowledgement, but I have to say, like, Alex, it's such a small part of your understanding of, you know, the herbs, which I think there needs to be more attention and energy brought towards that. And I, I think that's why people come out of college and then they learn more. They go and educate themselves in different ways. They, they, they unlearn, they relearn, they expand because it's, you know, with any with any studies, right, you do the qualification and then you get the qualification and then you actually need to embody and sort of become that. And that, that doesn't just mean being for those three or four or five years in study. Often it means coming out and learning and then you really learn. Mm. That, that was my experience. Yeah. Truly, beautiful. when I came out, I was like, oh, oh, 
I know I really love him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, gosh, yeah. you could think about that with so many different things in life, right? Yeah, you get your driving license, but you don't really learn how to drive right. until you're, yeah, you're out you there. Yeah, become a good driver later. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's exactly. It, I'm yep. sorry to everybody in that learning phase for all of us, but but, but it, totally. it is true. Yeah. And I think we have yeah. to have a lot more compassion around that, right, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Got me thinking. Of course. Um, so I wanted to ask actually, before we even start talking about detoxification and, and, uh, plants for that, given, I know how deeply passionate you are about herbs. Do you have Mm. desert Island herbs? Like, do you have a top three (laughs) where you're like these, I would absolutely not live without. I feel like mine changed. All the time because I think mm-hmm. as a herbalist too, you sort of, you have your, like you might have your diehard faves, but you sort of go through different phases and chapters of the herbs that are calling you the most or also like what's going on with your system and your body and your field that also needs that kind of support. So, but I I think like number one would be Withania somnifera, which is ashwagandha, commonly known as ashwagandha. And for me, like ashwagandha has been a really profound herb and you know, when I was going through a lot of burnout, you know, in the past I went through a really big episode of burnout and, and, and healed through that. And that was a really profound herb to recalibrate my adrenal system and my sort of internal store that was so like frazzled at the time. So I think if I was to be like one herb, I think I would, you know, I'd go down holding that herb, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Oh, there's so many others. I mean, I think chamomile is another one that I just love chamomile. I love the gentle nature of chamomile. I love that obviously no herb has one action. It crosses over into all different genres, but chamomile just so gentle for the nervous system when there's any anxiety, stress or tension, but then also has that kind of real kin to the digestive system feel to kind of calm the belly down. Um, I love that sort of, it's also that gut sort of brain stress you know gut kind of connection that I I love chamomile for and then oh my goodness how do I choose my third one um I think <laughs> look I did like I'm like oh is it ginger is it rosemary is it nettle I think it might be nettle I think it's nettle leaf um oh, I love nettle, nettle so much yes I love mm. it so much too so nutritive mm. restorative Calming. again great for that sort of depletion picture yummy deep and green it feels so earthy um you know very cleansing for the system which we'll get into a bit more later but yeah I think it might be those three yeah nice I think and I love that a run-of-the-mill everyone knows that herb got in there as well like I think there's a reason that chamomile and lavender and peppermint make it to the top of every list of everything and get seriously most because they've obviously proven their worth over time they really have. Mm. And I think, you know, we often, especially in this kind of wellness space, go towards things or things that are kind of come forward as a little bit more shiny and a little bit more like, you know, sparkly and rare. And actually, you know, I find that the most common known tried and true herbs, actually a lot of them are overlooked commonly, but they are just like something like thyme or rosemary they're profound herbal medicines and you know they're in they're in everyday they're in our everyday 
life a lot of the time, especially in a culinary way, you know. And um, I often find those kind of most common herbies to just be seriously the most profound. Mm. It's such a good thing to remember as humans always striving to find the newest, coolest, most, you know, and especially in um, nutraceutical, like a booming industry, it almost feels like there's this pressure for them to uncover some new herb we've never heard of before so that they can be the first to market with it. And it's like, um, hi, I'm time just sitting here helping everybody like feel well (laughs) and, and fend off the nasties and, you know. Mm. yeah it's just not truly as sexy. it's not not mm. as sexy and 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 I think that's something that you know I've tried it in my work bring awareness back to because it's just also bringing that awareness back to how simple it can be yeah how simple it. herbs can be totally yeah. um and obviously I mean when you look at detoxification blends just even at the pharmacy or a regular over-the-counter Chinese medicine blend that you can buy there are a number of herbs in there. Um, but something I always find really interesting is how common it is to still hear the phrase, what do you need to detox for? I've got my liver for that. Um, and and how? what does that bring up for you as a practitioner who supports so many people in their journeys and hears so many health yeah. histories? Um, right. How can we lovingly... Um, put that in its place as a comment well it's funny because it's like okay yes the body's naturally going to do its thing right like it naturally will work to detoxify to cleanse the blood through all the different systems yeah but what we are filling our lives with filling our bodies with the endogenous and exogenous stresses that we might be coming across that puts load on those detoxification pathways so we have to consider the individual's needs and kind of health presentations in terms of how well their body might actually be detoxifying and not just make the assumption that like well yeah our body does it yes our body does it but is it doing it well and is it you know is it doing it optimally is it doing it you know as efficiently as needed for what's going on for you so, you know, so people do say that often. I'll be like, you're totally right. Your body does do that. Your body's so smart and awesome and wants to move along with you and detoxify. It's going to do that. But is it doing it optimally? So, yeah, that's really the question. Yeah, um, that's it. And I always say to people, like, we, yes, we have that liver. Yes, we have that lymph system. Yes, we sweat. But no, we have never been exposed to this 140,000 chemicals now in circulation um, thanks to man-made brilliance in part, but also like major stuff up in many other parts as well, <laughs> motivated by uh, money, efficiency, convenience, whatever. Um, and uh, and that is not the human body design uh, that uh, we have. We don't have the one that can just work like a little factory and sort all of that out on its own and stay on top of things we actually do need the support now for the most part well that's it Mm. right yeah for the most part and you know that's the thing even just sort of asking people about you know their environments and when I'm working with clients and asking them about you know what they might be eating if they focus on you know spray free or organics and you know biodynamics and it's like it's even in that there's so much in that you know of of yeah, you know, what what we are unconsciously in taking because of all these man-made chemicals and environmental stresses. 
So just from even a dietary perspective, you know, and, and as we know, there are people that are much more sensitive to those chemicals than other people too. So there's, you know, impaired detoxification, say one person who eats exactly that way, you know, and their life is the same way, their detox could be more primed than the next person with impaired detox based on that sort of genetic makeup as well and constitution and all the things, you know, yeah. Yeah. To, to consider all those things is important. Yeah, that's it. And there are obviously several different ways that the body detoxifies. Can we just do a little one-on-one review of those sure. ways? Yeah. So it's a multi-system effort to detoxify, you know, to really cleanse the blood. So, you know, we've got our liver, um, which is obviously we're, we're doing that work, blood cleansing. We've got our skin and lymphatic system. So, you know, the skin being the largest organ of detoxification elimination, such a prime one. Um, we've So our skin, our sweat, we've got our lungs. So what are we breathing in? That's a, a lot of people don't think about that. But, you know, even in home renovations, which I'm doing right now, you know, those kind of things of what are we breathing in and those little particles and mold spores and all the things. So uh, our lungs, we've got our kidneys, so how we're excreting through our kidneys, our urine. And then we've also got our colon, you know, our large intestines, our digestive systems that actually moves everything through via the stool. So it, I think I nailed them all there. Yeah. So we've got, we've got you know, multi-system event to detoxify so when we think about health as well and we think about like what symptoms we might be having and if there are you know some challenges in those systems such as skin maybe we've got eczema or we've got a lot of congestion and acne uh you know in our bellies we've got say constipation or diarrhea or you know difficulty absorbing things um gosh there's so many things you know brain fog Mm. poor fatigue all of that can just come right down to are we eliminating properly do we need to do a bit of a detoxification and support the systems to reboot a little yeah Yeah. and would would there be some diseases like actual diagnoses I'm just thinking certain autoimmune diseases etc that if you actually looked back the way that was paved for those diseases to occur was prolonged poor detoxification and assault of various exposures or or, um, burdens? Absolutely. I mean, mean, you know, the autoimmune sort of spectrum is so hard to always pin, you know, pin like that is the beginning because everyone has a sort of different beginning, you know, and obviously we know there's a, a, it can come from multiple directions. We're talking about genetics, high stress, environmental toxins, underlying viral drivers, all the different things that can trigger that autoimmune picture. But for sure, detoxification's a huge part of it. And just the systems being burdened is a huge part of any root system of ill health, I believe. You know, so really trying to unburden those systems is key. I mean, if... Yeah, if someone has like something like chronic constipation and then they they have poor skin and, you know, we go through and we try to figure out is it your hormones, is it stress, is it this? No, actually, it's detoxification. We've got to get you eliminating. It's fascinating to see once we actually just get someone eliminating to see their skin clear up. Like that's not always the driver for skin because skin is so tricky, but often it is. And so addressing that constipation and moving through things through the bowel because that 
that cycle of elimination was really not working and defunct. Wow. Now we've got clear skin, like wild. Yeah. And like, especially with poop, like so many people are brought up not talking about it. It's embarrassing. You don't tell your parents. Then, you know, you could be a teenager who thinks I would rather die than talk to my, um, you know, single parent dad about the fact that I'm constipated, uh, let alone some strange doctor person. And so they don't say anything, but then they're battling um the the skin issues it's so true um yeah Yeah. wow yeah it really is Mm. I mean yes and as a as a sort of herbalist nutritionist naturopath all the naturopaths I mean everyone's just fluent in poop it's like not it's such a you know it's not something we consider strange that's all you talk about basically as a practitioner you know (laughs) yeah it tells a lot about us it really does it really does I agree and um and so so then how do we peel the layers back then? Oh, but given there is, it's a multi-system effort, how do you then attack that? Like looking at um, healing a person or identifying exposures, it's kind of like learning a really complicated soup recipe, right? you really got to go down in the weeds and, totally. and figure it all out. Yeah. Yeah, and, the, and really, you know, working from a sort of naturopathic perspective, it's like it is like being a detective, you know. You're sort of really kind of drawing out the, drawing out the story and drawing out the, the, the sort of the parts and, you know, trying to connect the dots. And and uh, it's such an interesting job, you know, because health is so complex and from a very allopathic perspective, you know, they would approach this in such an entirely different way. And so from a naturopathic perspective, how we look at detoxification and all of its moving parts, um, it's fascinating. You know, I think, yes, first, obviously, looking at what system seems to be the most burdened or is there multi-systems that are burdened? So what's your body saying to you? So whether or not, like I said, there's digestive issues or there's energy issues, there's skin issues, um, there's underlying, you know, sleep issues it's like really just looking at okay what systems might be involved in that um now they're all involved you know but like what are the where where are like we really getting that energy um coming to those systems or lacking lacking energy in those systems and so I guess you know it's also it's always about considering the unique person I mean I know there's a lot of practitioners that will say, you need to cleanse. I'm going to put you on this, you know, hectic herbal cleanse regime. Or I'm going to put you on a juice cleanse and we're going to do that for, you know, this amount, this quite extensive amount of days. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not such a fan of fasting at this. It, you know why the fasting thing? It's because I'm already seeing so many people who are so burnt out and tired that actually fasting takes a lot of energy and I know it can give back a lot of energy to your body but at the same time when you have a lot of depletion in the body you actually need to restore so I don't do a lot of fasting these days but that's what a lot of people do they might go we're going to fast we're going to take the burden off the system so we can like really rest those organs through fasting sometimes um but then my belief system as well with with trying to teach people and gently train people into understanding how to unburden those systems is getting back to basics so it's like are we drinking enough water are we eating enough fiber are we moving our bodies therefore our lymph systems which will help our digestives everything excrete everything gets better when we move um 
Yeah, and and are, are we doing simple things like dry brushing or could we add some saunas in? You know, so it's just about these sort of small interventions. How are we how are we eating? What are we eating? And coming back to these basics of how we can unburden those systems. I'm not it's funny as I've gotten years and years on in practice, I'm far less extreme. I'm much more gentle with yeah. everything. You know? I, I agree. Yeah. I think there's something about the learning journey and it just literally was something I was thinking about today. So it's so great that that's come up where you learn and you want to get it perfect, but whatever perfect looks like, it's not sustainable in, a, in, in such a way that one's mental health is nourished long-term. I genuinely believe there's a point at which it becomes forced, isolating or, um, shame, guilt, willpower, unhealthy stuff starts to happen inside your internal voice um, where you have to have leniency. It is actually so healthy to have a relaxation and an understanding when relaxation is totally appropriate and cool and when you can also be really proud of the work you generally tend to do on a lot of things as well. And that's absolutely where I've landed low tox. And sometimes I see students like writing things in the comments even, and I think, oh, my gosh, okay, no, I haven't done my job because that person is clearly stressed out of their minds um, and that is never my intention uh, in terms of adopting a lifestyle. And that's what exactly why I called it low tox, not no tox, because I did have that intention very specifically. Um, but I think the human spirit wants to go to the extreme before they hopefully land in a in a balanced place. Which I understand. And when you aren't feeling well and you're really willing to try anything as well, it makes more sense for a lot of people to go to the extreme. But often when there's an underlying exhaustion and fatigue and depletion, it's actually very important to go in a paced and gentle kind of way. That's what I've learned, you know, um, as, a, as a practitioner and also personally. But uh, so, yeah, a lot of around detoxification and priming detoxification for me and to teach that is about really returning to these basics these real basics of, you know, I mean, a lot of people are chronically dehydrated and not drinking enough water. I mean, that's a huge part of the population. Yeah. And then. Or drinking bad water and not getting hydrated, which is bad as well. Totally, totally. Um, Or not, you know, what are they putting on their skin when we absorb so much that we put on our skin? What's, um, is it what, 60 to 70%? Do you have an exact figure? I'm not sure exactly. It's around that, you know. And so we, if we absorb, that much of what we're putting on our skin and we can't read the backs of our you know skincare products right that's terrifying you know so it's it it comes back to those kind of things that's, that I educate about you know of like okay what are you putting on your skin what are you washing your body with what cleaning products are you using I mean that's a huge part of just for me educating people around the cleanup generally not just what you're putting in but what is around you yeah, and it's a detoxification byproduct, right? To just simply stop using a lot of this stuff, your body That's starts going. Oh, finally, exactly. I can exactly I can start totally. to let go of some of this stuff. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, and so I'm curious mm. then, given it's a multi-system approach, detoxification and exploration of detoxification. If someone's really burdened, 
do you have a prioritization of which system you support first or um, in herbal medicine? Are there some herbs that actually do a multi-pronged, multi-system, um, have a, a multi-system effect? So, I mean, that's what's so awesome about being able to, you know, blend these big brown bottles of mm. herbs, you know, and to be able to customise a tincture because in a tincture you can come at all of those systems gently or, you know, or strong as much as you want to come together. Like we can work on the liver, the lymphatic system, you know, we can work on a blood cleansers. We can work on the kidney kidneys and, you know, and the belly all at one in a bottle. And that's, what's so lovely. And I will often do that. I don't, if if I'm going to go, it just depends what's going on for the person, but usually I'll go to the liver, you know, so I'll usually go to the liver with that sort of more um, strong herbal support and then we'll make a lot of dietary and lifestyle changes to support the other systems so you know nutritional changes such as like upping your fiber eating green leafy vegetables more so bitter bitter foods to stimulate digestion the gallbladder and the liver you know those kind of things like liver loving foods i'll make a whole plan but often i would say go straight to the liver or i'll do a multi-system um tonic where i kind of go in you know, um, in a gentle way, I'm definitely not trying to get anyone to, uh, yeah, eliminate in a ferocious way. Like I remember one of my first experiences going to a naturopath and she sort of put everyone on these detox bottles. Like the whole family went on these detox bottles. And it was like every five minutes you're running to the toilet. It was like honestly such a deep purge, you know, and it was like so draining for the body. It was so intense. And I really learned that then of like, wow, that's, yeah, that's just, that doesn't feel good. So when I'm working with people, it's much more gentle. But gentle, again, can be profound. It is profound. Um, and your body doesn't need to purge to detox. I, I agree. And I, I often wonder about purge-style detoxification. I'm not a practitioner, um, but the stress that the body undergoes could send out danger signals actually putting you in a subconscious form of fight or flight, which could then, as soon as you're not on those things, that residual stress can still be there and then you're still constipated, but you're actually constipated because your nervous system's now involved uh, where it might not have been before, right? And I just think that can be, I know for myself, you know, we talk about, oh, yeah, you've got to just ride the wave of the Herxheimer reaction, like it gets worse before it gets better. And there's a place for that. I get it. You've said that too. But at the same time, I know that when I've really made inroads with my health, not in any of those situations was there a Herxheimer reaction. It was much more gentle chipping away because there was the intense nervous system role of, for me, mould, you know, and and, and the particular mould I was exposed to, cutomium. Uh, which is super toxic to the nervous system, you don't want to be messing around anymore and making that alarm bell go off even louder makes no sense. Yeah, right, exactly. And that's that's just an interesting, like you sharing that as well, I think it's really interesting for people to consider that that word detox and a healing journey with detoxification doesn't need to be this like dramatic painful uncomfortable sort of purge because I think you know that's what a lot of people think like 
you know, and, you know, January, I'm going to go on a detox and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to whatever it might be. And I'm not at all knocking juice cleansers. There can be a place for juice cleansers. But, you know, people go on these like massive cleansers and it's like maybe they do like a 21 day juice cleanse. And you're like, wait, have you even done a three day juice cleanse? You know, a lot of the time people do these really extreme things. And you're like, well, why don't we just start in the more gentle place and see how that feels, you know? And you're right. Like, what are the what are the ramifications of putting our bodies through intense potential stress when you're kind of going into this, you know, purgy, even a sort of starvation mode as such when you're doing these kind of fasting protocols? Like, what is it actually doing to your nervous system as mm-hmm. well? Yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I'd say that would be where the mental, um, the mindset of going into something like this would be super important as well. Like so often, you know, you, I just even remember the one time I had to have a colonoscopy, <laughs> like the stress I was mentally under in the last sort of six hours because I was starving and I had the headache and I had, but no one had talked me through that and like given me a little meditation track to work on those feelings um, during that final chapter of prep. And I think we are perhaps leaving a few things um, unturned in, in sending people on these um, whatever journey that we're sending them on. We've got, I'm so passionate about the mental health piece now because I know that I had to come to find that myself. It wasn't there and talked about um, that um, I'm kind of glad it ended up featuring quite heavily in our conversation so far today. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, Really good. Okay. So then when we are considering a gentle detoxification it's a style of detoxification where we're almost bringing it into our everyday lives I know how passionate about tea you are um and I and I love how accessible tea is to everywhere it's not expensive for the most part um and you know people can buy a few different um singles and start making blends how does one start to detoxify through tea and uh, what are some of your favorites to start recommending yeah, I mean, tea's awesome because it means you're getting lots of hydration and mm. it's really the most, you know, the most ancient form of how we have taken our herbs, you know, in so many different cultures and customs. So it's a beautiful way to take your herbs and so simple, like you said, and approachable. Um, I mean, there's so many, there's infinite detox blends you can make really because, you know, the other thing that's so ace about herbal medicine is that you it's an opportunity to play and to sort of listen to your intuition and what do you what herbs are you called to and what flavors do you like and how to sort of bridge those together there's you know obviously there's a kind of culinary cross in with teas because it's all about the flavor but and 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 to be honest a lot of detoxy herbs do not taste fantastic um (laughs) because they're strong right so yeah if we were to go in with the liver you know we might think about milk thistle you know saliva marianum um samaris thistle and and we might think about um you know dandelion root and and turmeric and shizandra and all of those herbs are fantastic shizandra has a sort of tartness that's that adds a dimension to a, a tea but you know turmeric most people who have been listening, you know, they've probably have tasted turmeric before. So that's kind of a hard tea to drink mm, generally. You need to like yeah. soften it. Yeah, exactly. And then 
Dandy and St. Mary's Thistle just are intense. You know, they have a an intense flavour. But, I mean, I personally love dandelion root uh, lattes, you know, sort of instead of co- – and I'm not a coffee drinker, so I love that bitter dandy latte, and that can be made instead of a tonic with with, it, with your warm milk. Um, and that's awesome for the liver. So it's just about playing with these kind of herbs and thinking about another way to make them more palatable. I think – I think I'm not, I think it might have been in my first book, Plants with People. I'm not sure which one I popped that recipe in, but there's uh, a recipe that I love that has rooibos in it. So it's got a rooibos base and then it's kind of got your, you know, your dandies and your more intense, uh, you know, milk thistle and I think it's got a bit of turmeric in it, like those kind of intense liver herbs. And sweetening that up, you might put a little bit of licorice in it and a bit of rooibos. So thinking about ways to kind of soften and change the palette of those teas you totally can make a beautiful detox tea that you actually want to drink it's just about playing with the flavors um so there you've sort of livery good good livery cleansing sort of herbs but then you've sort of got your blood cleansers so you might want to do i mean i think burdock is a burdock root is a fantastic blood cleanser um nettle you know working as a blood cleanser working on the lymphatic system the kidneys red clover there's just so many herbs you can call upon it's there like when you really dive into what the herbs do you'll realize there's a massive list of herbs that will aid all of those you know all of those systems even something like you know echinacea stimulates lymphatic system therefore aiding detoxification in the in its mechanism of stimulation so you know truly lots of things um and then Yes, so many. And then even, it's not a tea, but like even adding into your smoothies, things like, you know, your spirulina and chlorella. Now we have to be mindful that those are all also binders. So what's going on in terms of how it might be pulling things out of the system, but they're, they're highly nutritive and they'll aid detoxification as well. Yeah. Lots of tea, like, yeah. Yeah. Lots of tea possibilities. So many. And and so given when our system is burdened by various toxins, it's also therefore quite stressed. What a, What's a little de-stress, calm the farm favourite that you like to mix up? That's not about detoxing, so it's just like a nice calming. Yeah, yeah. because okay. then like um, if we're nourishing the nervous yeah, system yeah. and calming the system, totally. then we're actually more able to detox anyway. Totally. I mean like a classic lovely combination instead of like your passion flower and lemon balm you know chamomile that kind of that trio or one or the other or together are really beautiful passion flower tastes quite good it's got a green grassiness to it there's a lovely taste to it lemon balm is just delightful and easy to drink it has that you know lemon fresh kind of flavor um and i i in in that smaller amount chamomile can come in and just be subtle with those two herbs um so if you're making them up together you do bigger ratios of the other and let chamomile just be because it can be a strong taste for some people um so so that's a beautiful tea but I've been going on about it for years you know that my favorite combo is an overnight infusion of of oat straw and nettle leaf and when made at overnight infusion, which is essentially a, a slow brewed tea, and you basically just make it overnight in a heat proof kind of jar, strain it out in the morning and sip on it. So it's a long brew. Uh, or, or you can also heat it up a little on the stove just to get the chill out the next morning. When you really allow those those herbs to really deeply, you know, infuse, they become a sort of supercharge in their medicinal um 
you know, counterparts. And that combination is so deeply restorative for the nervous system and for the adrenal system when you are feeling a bit depleted. It's such a nice one to work with and really work with it for a while. You know, I think giving it like a, a good solid month of doing infusions can be very restorative when people are feeling a bit fried and a bit that on that sort of edge of that empty burnout, nervous system, stressy feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, um, beautiful. And oat straw, nice do celiacs need to worry about oat straw or is that okay? It's a, yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's really tricky to answer that, but, um, but I, I would probably suggest that they would stay away from it. Just, I know that it's, it's a different part of the plant and whatnot, but I do think that just to be certain that they're not sensitive to it. I know a lot of, people seem to tolerate it well if they're very gluten sensitive or celiac but just as a you know a broad tread answer, carefully say, chat to your practitioner very carefully yeah yeah, yeah chat yeah. to your practitioner yeah. yeah yeah and um so tea is something that like is, is there a point at which with tea we need to worry we're over consuming herbs or um yeah we can have a negative benefit because we've gone a little too hard or no yeah I mean you have to drink a lot right but yes definitely herbs are powerful things so you know there is a dose ratio which is kind of the sort of upper limits of a dose of a certain herb but you would have to drink a lot of tea to get there and so tea is definitely the safer avenue than using a tincture which are quite dose dependent um let's say and you really should be guided with those tinctures or really know what you're doing with dosing um if you're going to go on the higher levels of tincture dosing but you'd have to drink a lot but saying that for sure there's herbs where you really want to just be mindful but you know people drinking like a one to sort of three cup four cup max of something is a pretty sort of safe place to be not maybe a you know eight ten twelve cup of something that, that you're getting a bit more extreme on the dosing chart. And in my second book, The Plant Clinic, I gave a sort of dosing chart to give people a sense of that as well because I think herbal medicine and dosing is like really confusing and because it's about the individual, right? So it is hard to give an idea of a dosing bracket for everybody because we're all so different and have different needs. And I'd imagine we can all tolerate in a bio-individual sense certain herbs more than others and certain sure. levels more than the next person or less. That's exactly right. So I see people who have very, very sensitive constitutions need a lot less dosing, just a lot more of a sort of gentle lower dose. And then people with those really, really sturdy, hard to move kind of constitutions seem to need a much kind of higher dose. And that's interesting. You know, I've, I've really, that's something that I wasn't taught. That was something that I learned over the years in clinic, like that, what we started with that conversation of sort of becoming, I learned, oh my goodness, okay, dosing isn't just about a standard therapeutic dose. It, it, it actually is very dose dependent, mm. depending on that person and their constitution. Yeah. Absolutely. And something I've noticed as a yeah. dog owner is that like on the back of everything, like every supplement you get for your dog, a little the, the little multi that I get for him, it's got the zero to the zero to 10 kilo dosage and the 10 to 20 kilo. And yet Often in medicine, like the 90 kilo woman's given the same tablet of metformin as the 60 kilo woman or, you know, and in herbal medicine, I'd say you'd probably be taught, okay, this is the dosage for this and it's 10 days and, and like the different size of people is a huge um, sure. thing to consider. Totally. 
Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, uh, you know, also to just sort of challenge that, yeah, concept of like, well, what is a standard therapeutic dose? I mean, in herbal medicine, there really, there really is this kind of idea of like, this is a therapeutic dose and particularly in modern clinical medicine, herbal medicine, it's high. And, you know, just to challenge that concept, I mean, for years I've been using drop dosing of herbs, which is a very low dose. It's a far more kind of homeopathic approach of using a very small amount. And, and uh, it's, it's wild how profound that can be yes. as, as much as a therapeutic dose. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I remember seeing a, um, a wonderful herbalist slash iridologist uh, that someone sent me to when I was super sick. It's fun, you know, when mm. you're just like, just show me anybody, anyone that can, right. can help me uncover a little stone. And yeah. I remember she gave me a little herb blend, but it was in a dropper. And I'd always been used to the big, like take two right, the big of bottles this and the hoo-ha. And I was like, I remember thinking, what's this going to do? Because <laughs> yes. I was yeah. so used yeah. to that bigger kind totally. of dose, but it was actually yeah. really effective. And I had a right. really great experience with that blend and that dosage. So less is sometimes yeah. more. Yeah, totally. That's definitely something that I've learned myself. So yeah, it's um yeah, fascinating. The whole dosing thing is a really interesting perspective. But I think like with tea, one to four cups is a safe place to sort of be generally. Brilliant. And how do you feel about um the boom of nutraceuticals and everybody being able being able to kind of read reviews and buy whatever they need online? It's not a very regulated industry, the herbal medicine um, industry, if you think beyond the practitioner setting, right? Um, and, you know, we hear these awful stories. I remember having the gorgeous Kate Johnston on the show a couple of years ago to talk about some of the supplement chains of supply and the things that they uncover sometimes when it comes from a country where the laws are way more relaxed and then you find out your rosemary is actually coriander seed because that's cheaper or whatever. Um, when you go to a practitioner, is part of the benefit of doing that, knowing that you're using brands that are the most highly scrutinised and tested in the world? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the practitioner brands, like, you know, the all of the brands that I would use, um, the the amount of you know the sourcing the amount of research that goes into where they're sourcing from and how they're producing to get you know to really sort of wake up that plant and you know help it sing and help us you know to really use it in a bioavailable form and work with it those companies it's very different than an over-the-counter you know company where often there isn't a lot of transparency or um you know willingness when you do contact a company to ask like where was it sourced from and how was it produced but those practitioner only companies they're very transparent and you, you know you generally can as a practitioner really kind of grill them and they'll give you answers you know and I think that's so important um for me you know I use a lot of the liquid herbs that I will use if I'm not making things myself you know will be uh, uh I'm like, can I endorse them? I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, just go for personal, it. I don't mind. You know, use. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just I'm just using like a, a – and they're practitioner only, so this is really only practitioners that would benefit from me saying this as well or people who are working with their practitioners. But I use PPC, and PPC herbs 
they grow a lot of fresh plants. Um, so it's fresh plant tinctures. So they grow actually in Tassie near me and work with a lot of different farms around here. And the fresh plant is made within, the tinctures made within hours from the plant being grown here in Australia, organic plants being grown here in Australia and being made into a tincture within hours. Now that's really unheard of in Australia. We use a lot of generally herbalists use dried plant material to make their tinctures and big companies use dried plant material. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's a different kind of tincture, I suppose, with the quality or the energy of the tincture. But I just love that they're organic plants grown in Australia and made within hours of being picked, you know, under the Tassie sun. That to me is profound. And, and, and I know the energy of that sort of plant as well grown on this land. Um, but yeah, you know, when you are buying things over the counter, oh, where was that plant grown? How, who was it grown by? How was it sourced? You know, um, how was it produced? I mean, there's, I think they're really good questions to ask because we're not, so yes, working with a practitioner, you get a much higher guarantee of the quality of the products and yeah. And you can ask all those questions. Like if you're curious about, well, where was that plant grown and how is it grown and is it organic? And you can ask all those questions and a practitioner will be able to answer you, whereas a product off the shelf cannot. Yeah. But I also want to say, Alex, I don't also want to sort of demonize people accessing herbal medicine and nutraceuticals in, in an accessible way, right? Yeah, because 100%. I also everyone can afford a is, consult. And, that's it. I think there's yeah. a real, yeah, there's a real problem as well with the wellness industry being inaccessible or people seeking health and not actually being able to afford it or access could, it and I have a real problem with that you know and could not <laughs> so, agree more I agree yeah, yeah so, especially as someone totally. who literally ran out of money not getting any answers and not getting any progress you get to a point where you're like okay I am now going to just have to stab in the dark myself and um and I think learning safe boundaries around that and some of the things to look out for. Um, can I ask a question to that then for the for the self-healers out there, uh, as I know there are many? Um, when we look at the back of a packet of an over-the-counter situation, so let's just say we've found a really well-reviewed product on iHerb. Uh, maybe it's got a, an organic certification, a couple of other things that help us feel a little bit red, less red flaggy about the whole thing. And the back of the packet is the kind of safe to try it out yourself level, isn't it? It's not really often a practitioner dose, that back, that back of the packet no. recommendation. Of, yes, often they will give, oh, these, I'm just having to change these over. No, no, Sorry, go for two it. seconds. Oh, good. Sorry. can't hear you yet hold on say something okay working yeah 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 yes I've got you yeah okay great sorry I hate wearing these airpods but my these often make a um a little a noise sound I'll just try to stand say as like stay yeah still. no don't worry um, let's just pick up from the okay. response to yeah um the back of the packet dosage oh yeah yeah so usually the dosage on the back of a supplement or a herb will be a sort of more generalized safe, safe, you know, dosage of like 
Yeah. And it usually goes lower than what a therapeutic dose from your practitioner probably would be for sure. And, you know, I was, and, and that's something to, again, do some research about, read into, inquire, you know, around dosage, like such as you might, you know, be looking to take a really good quality, let's say zinc. And, you know, on the back of the, um, on the back of the package, it's sort of like one capsule and the zinc might be, you know, 15 milligrams, you know, and you're like, well, to be honest, you want to really probably get close to say, let's say you've got a cold, you want to get close to like 50 milligrams if you're you know, really trying to kind of kick something per day. So you might go, okay, yeah, cool. That says that, but I'm doing my research and therefore I'm going to, you know, maybe maybe I'm, I'm happy and comfortable after doing my research to go up a little bit with that dose. But, you know, it's also good to start things, particularly herbs, at a lower dose to see how they feel in your system and not go like, you know, all out a blazing with dosing. <laughs> guns blazing. You know, yeah. yeah, guns are blazing because it, it's it's sometimes, you know, better to just give the system a little uh, try and taste of something to see how your body goes with it. Um, but just back to accessibility, this is kind of where your teas and your herbal medicines are the things to start working with in terms of accessibility because you can go to your local health food store, your local co-op or order online with there's some great stores like Austral Herbs are really wonderful and there's wild crafted and organic options and they're family-run business. They're lovely. And so, you know, you might go on there and go, okay, well, I've got this amount of budget. I really want to create a little apothecary and dispensary at home to start playing. And these are my, you know, four herbs I'm going to start with. And you can actually, st- you know, you can really kind of start there. That's accessible. That's the kind of point of herbal medicine. Yeah. Okay. You're not, getting you know a big tincture um to work with but you can actually make a tincture that's another thing you know and that's like a lot of what my books and my work is about is teaching people how to do that to, to do it at home it's it's home herbalism and kitchen herbalism that belongs to everybody right but it does it absolutely does and um so I just wanted to then um bring up the scenario only because this happened with my son um what was it? It was Bacoba Monieri, um, the 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 mental acuity herb, like a herb yes, that like boosts Brahmi. that. Yeah, Brahmi, thank you. And he came up in hives, like welts all over his face and neck with it, and it was like, oh my gosh! And you know, he's um he's got the uh, a Bondi, I call it the Bondi anaphylaxis allergy because it's Inca <laughs> berries. He's allergic to Inca berries. Wow. That is his allergy. How random. That is so I very Bondi. No, I know. <laughs> and it was eating yeah. a totally Bondi piece of toast that we found this wow. allergy. Yeah. No offense to our like beautiful Bondi toast. people. I myself no, no, have lived we in North you. Bondi. We adore you. Um, um, my just, clinics you... were there forever, but I just, yeah, yeah, yes, we know yeah. we know that that's <laughs> where we're all fans of Inca berries around Exactly. And so then yeah. the Bacoba Minieri. And then so I mean, I had enough knowledge to yeah. whip out the nettle and the quercetin and hammer him with a big wow. dose of that um, yeah. to because I've just had yeah. to do it's that on my own journey. But the average yeah. everyday person might have something like this happen and be quite freaked out. Um, so I, I only wanted to bring that up so that you could share a practitioner, okay, here's where you know there's something you need to either go and see, like, the ED yeah, medical attention or, yes. um, or your local health food shop to just help you actually decide whether that might not be a good herb for you at all. Um, 
uh, yeah, to just kind of speak to that a little bit as the self-healers yeah. go out and start trying things. Sure, because, I mean, like I said before, plants are powerful, powerful forces, you know, so we do want to be um, gentle in our approach to how we introduce these plants into our systems. Um, but I have to say, as a practitioner too and being in this field for so long, it is so rare to see a reaction from a herb. I, I rarely see it, to be honest, truly. But um, it does happen, you know. And, I mean, and that's the that's also the downside to, you know, when herbs get sort of blacklisted as such from the TGA, um, because because actually the TGA in Australia, the Therapeutic Goods Act, you know, they they are they actually are very strict with herbal medicine. So those over the counter products have spent they usually are very big companies that have a lot of money to actually be able to pass TGA regularity um, regulation. Sorry, and you know, uh, a lot of all the practitioner products need to be passed through TGA as well. So there's actually quite a stringent procedure to have a product on the shelves or be a practitioner only product. It doesn't mean that, I mean, you can order everything off iHerb, right? That didn't go through those, you know, but I'm just saying in terms of Australian made products. Um, but what happens, unfortunately, is, you know, if someone has a reaction from a herb and it's reported, which of course it should be reported, but, you know, often these herbs can get blacklisted so quickly, whereas, you know, and so they, they'll get pulled out of our hands as herbalists to be able to use them. Whereas, you know, you see a pharmaceutical, oh, my goodness, how many side effects are reported from one yeah. pharmaceutical? And it stays and how, on the shelf. And it stays on the shelf, right? Mm. So it's something that makes my blood boil, you know, yeah. in terms of because so I guess, but I'm totally happy to speak to the fact that absolutely people do have some reactions, but it is quite rare. It, if you're feeling something and obviously you have signs of some kind of actual allergic response, you know, you just want to get yourself straight to the ED, right? And mm. you, but, but I've never actually seen that from a herb, oh, wow. honestly, with any of my clients. Like mm. no one's ever had an allergic response. Uh, the biggest thing that happens, and I, and I, and, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have had this too, is when people take a B vitamin and it's totally not a herb, but they get that nice and flush. Oh, the nice and flush. With it. Oh my gosh, it happened to me Oh my me God, it once. happens all the time. Did it? Yes. Because <laughs> it was like, actually oh, really oh recently. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. I didn't think of it, but I took some sort of complex and it only had even like, it was a tiny amount. It was like 25 milligrams, 50 tops. It was small. And all of a sudden I just noticed this heat on around my nose and then it just grew and grew around my whole face and neck and I looked, I looked like I'd been, like I was one of those people who had come from Iceland for the first time to Australia and thought, <laughs> yeah. yay, the sun. And amazing. <laughs> like that bluish, purpley red yes. kind of. Oh, my goodness. And uh, and then it subsided. Yeah. And I actually figured it out. I nerded out. And yeah. I said, okay, what have yes. I taken? What are, what are the effects? Yes. You put two and two together. Mm, but I but get a lot of like those. That was a bit stressful. Of, yeah, totally. I think I'm reacting. To, okay, wait, did you eat enough of your B vitamins? So that's something that you should all think about if you're listening. Make sure you eat a nice full meal with your B vitamins because um, that's actually the most common reaction I see in clinic. But if you're getting a physical reaction, for sure, ED straight away. If if you notice, like, it's, it will generally, it will be far more subtle and you might notice that for some reason your body's not loving this new thing that you're on. It might mean that, you know, it you actually have looser and looser stools or I see people who, 
let's say this is a classic one people take valerian at night to sleep and there's a small percentage of people that it actually creates sort of nervous excitability it doesn't calm down the nervous system it's a Mm -hmm. very small amount of people but you're like oh my goodness okay we've taken valerian to go to sleep and now you're actually feeling wired so that's a reaction, yeah. right? <laughs> you yeah. know. So yeah. often they're more reactions like that, less of a severe reaction than your your poor son had. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just listening to the body and going, is this working for me? Maybe I'll trial off it, uh, you know, or I'll reduce a dose. And maybe that's not the right herb for me. That's when you should totally go and talk to your herbalist or your local naturopath in your health food store and just chat through the possibilities with them as well, if that's the right thing for you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, I definitely don't want to scare anyone listening thinking you're going to have some huge reaction just because you make yourself a cup of tea. Like it's, as as Erin said, super, super rare. Um, Super rare. But I also do like to just say, you know, things can happen and go slow and, um, Totally, and also it's things like this that people don't think about. If you're... If you're allergic or sensitive to a family of plants, like so let's say you're you're sensitive to, let's say you had like a daisy allergy, okay? Well, that family, daisy, asteraceae, that actually is a huge amount of, of plant medicine sitting in that family, you know? So you would, like chamomile, you'd want to be careful. Okay, well, d- like maybe I'm not going to take that, you know what I mean, that herb because it's in that family. Um, if you're also sensitive to solanaceae, right? So the nightshades well you might go I'm not going to take any plants I might be careful and cautious and just avoid or with the plants that are in that family such as ashwagandha is in solanaceae family so yeah it's remember that we're working with plants and you know that's a it's a bigger picture we're working yeah. with nature so maybe yeah. you know, asking those questions is important Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not, it's like yeah. when people often switch to their first low-tox mascara and they'll buy a low-tox brand and, the, you know, petroleum-free and all the good things and they didn't like it. And they were like, well, this whole low-tox thing sucks. I'm going to go back to my old mascara. Right. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. when we go to, like when you first move out of home, when you're 21, whatever, yeah. and you buy a few different shampoos before you land on the shampoo that you love, mainstream or not, doesn't yes. matter we have to give plant medicine. We have to give low-tox products. We have to give anything new yeah. that we try um, some time to go, okay, I've got yeah. to find the one that fits for me. Totally. Right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's like anything like you said, but working with herbs, particularly working with detoxification or tonic herbs, and it does take a bit of, you know, trial and error to kind of figure out what also works for you. And um, I mean, that's why if you can, working with a practitioner is a wonderful thing because they can really customise, you know, the support for you. But I also understand that's not not accessible or available to everybody or within everyone's means because it it is, uh, you can see a practitioner once for sure, but often the, the, the depths of the work that you get to is in that relationship of really working over a period of time. So it's a sustained kind of approach. Um, yeah, but, you know, but the opportunity is also just there, you know, that's what I mean about just starting on your own. It's there to begin and you can build from that with your relationship to herbs and listening to your body and aiding detoxification and all those types of things that we can do with plants. Yeah. And what can someone look out for to know that they're, um, 
like do you ever finish detoxifying from like I, I would <laughs> yeah, say yeah. it would be from like single parts of the soup let's say like you move out of the moldy house or you um stop being exposed to the lead paint chips or you know there could, there's those things that stop um but how do we know we're done detoxifying in, in our bodies like what what are we looking out for rather than having to go and get more blood tests and sure I mean, I think a lot of the time it's just really listening to how you're actually feeling in your body and tuning into, you know, vitality levels, tuning into like how your body's actually functioning and feeling and flowing. You know, before you had a lot of sort of achy and soreness and, you know, muscle pain and inflammation in the body and you notice that that's actually gone, you know, that's actually totally eased. That's incredible, right? That's a really good mark of progress. So our physical symptoms, although symptoms can be, an absolute, you know, pain and, you know, really emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually painful for people, they are the markers of your progress and they are the little, you know, gifts to unwrap to understand what's actually going on with your body. And so following those and following the the, the stories of those, that's how you know, you know, because, yes, you can go and get blood tests and get, you know, if you've had mold exposure, get your you know, your mold, um, mold test again and get this update and do your stool test. You can spend, and I know, you know, I'm sure you have gosh spends, right. And a ridiculous amount of money on, and they can, all of that can be so helpful when it's needed, but it's not accessible to everyone and it's not needed all of the time. So listening to your body is by far the best way of understanding and asking those questions like, you know, am I eliminating? How's my skin looking? Are my eyes looking clear? How's my breath? You know, that's always a really good, you know, how's my breath? How's my tongue looking when I look at my tongue? How's my nails looking? You know, all of those things, like we can look at our bodies and go, do we feel clear? Mm. You know? So you mentioned that, you mentioned the tongue. So we stick our tongue out of the mirror. What are we looking for? Well, often, you know, people will have that sort of thick coating Mm. on their tongue and obviously there's when you look at like if you guys all want to go and have a little um tongue diagnosis google now <laughs> yeah you know when you're looking at your tongue and have a little look and because mm. there's different organ systems in different parts of your tongue so obviously different areas that are more covered cracked ridged it says something about your body and those systems which is fascinating so have a look and have a look at your tongue in the mirror and have a look at the tongue diagnosis map but often you'll get that kind of thicker coating down through the middle when there's sort of that dysbiosis in the system and then you can also get that sort of ridging on the side of the tongue and that can often mean like when it can mean a few things but often people who are chronically dehydrated and not absorbing their water will have that sort of ridging there's an absorption sort of issue and a malabsorption issue in the system and a bit of dehydration where the tongue kind of almost swells a little bit and gets that sort of ridging uh, of the, from the teeth, the ridging. So more hydration. That's it. When you look at your tongue, if your tongue's not looking nice, it's a good opportunity to cleanse. I also just love like wake up in the morning and tongue scraping gently, you know, to just kind of clear the tongue for the day. Um, I think that's a really nice practice that really helps reduce that sort of bacterial load in the in the mouth as well. There's so much to it. It's, it's complex, you know. It's so complex, much to it. it. Yeah, but you've, that's you've a brought cool, up cool thing. Dehydration yeah. a couple of times now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And water isn't water isn't water. And then we could be adding things to water to make it more hydrating. Um, 
what do you recommend when you see a dehydration picture? What are you telling people to do? Yeah, I mean, I'm always like, what kind of water do you drink? So mm. that's, you know, we, I always ask, you know, is it tap water? Is it filtered? What, what is filtered? People say often filtered. I'm like, is it a Brita filter? Or is, you know, is it, you know what I mean, a, a ceramic filter? Or what kind of filter are you using here? So we always talk about filtration and optimizing their filtration system within their means. There's obviously different levels of filtration system. I don't know what you, what do you use? I use uh, I use the Waters Co range. I think they're a fantastic okay. yeah. um, company. And what I love about them is that they actually have a teeny tiny. It's called the Mini Waterman, um, and yeah. I think it's like a hundred and sixty nine dollars, and you get three refills with it. So that's nine oh, months yeah. worth of filtered water. And it's a teeny tiny thing, but you can take it traveling. Yeah. Um, that's you know, awesome. I just took it overseas with my son for a couple of weeks that's what we used we went everywhere you know especially in London you want to be using that um and yes. so it's a great entry level option then you can get them that's awesome Mac daddy um yeah uh, your biggest bench top or under the sink yeah. or complete home filtration like yeah. there's so many different versions yeah. um but yeah. I think you have to make sure your filter is remineralizing and if it isn't yeah then Erin's yeah. going to tell us what we need to do to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of the time it's just as simple as I'm talking to people about putting some really good quality sea salt into their water. So, you know, I'm just as, as the most basic sort of just getting that little bit of extra minerals into the water and to also help you actually uptake hydration into the cell. So, that, so that's my sort of go-to um, and, you know, I'm always going on also about, you know, good quality spring water, you know, but that's not something that a lot of people, you know, very different than like the spring water that's delivered from, you know, in the city. I'm not talking, I'm talking about like, we've got like an insane Tasmanian spring, you know what I'm saying? I'm yeah, like, yeah. That's what I'm talking about, spring water. And that's not accessible for everybody. But if you live in a place as well where, you know, you can also get water tested to see what, you know, that's really going down the rabbit hole, but what's going on with that spring water to make sure it's meeting all your needs and clear of things, but bad baddies. I mean, I, 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 uh, treat a lot of gut stuff so there's a lot of you know bacterial and parasitic stuff that comes up through poor water as well so it's very good to kind of know the quality of the water that you're drinking because it it affects all systems it really does yeah and it affects cell health and cell function ability to take in nutrients detox uh so you know we often think okay we've got to go straight to the supplement cabinet when we're talking detoxification but actually um, if we're not properly hydrated, then we could take all the herbs in the world. It's not going to really help us. Well, that's it. And also if your gut's not in a great place and you can't actually absorb those minerals and so you can't absorb those supplements too, that's the challenge, right? Of, you know, when you're taking a lot of supplements but you're potentially not absorbing very well. So kind of coming back to those basics of where we began in this conversation of, you know, yeah, drinking great quality water, you know, moving your body, making sure that you're eliminating through your bowels daily as well. So upping, you know, whether, you know, we're talking about prebiotic foods, fiber-rich foods, you know, probiotics, et cetera, fermented foods to just improve gut health. Again, that's a whole nother ballgame of, um, you know, of nuance, but, you know, just really working on like getting elimination primed, moving your body, drinking water. It's a great place to begin. It is. And then another place I know you love to take people is to actually um, take that step into growing things. So I thought we could finish there 
And um, what are a couple of your favourite detoxification herbs that are actually quite easy to grow at home and make our own fresh herbal teas um, or Ooh, mix yeah. into our cooking in a bit more of yeah. a pungent way to get more yeah. of an effect? Yeah. Well, when I was living up north uh, in, you know, subtropical region, it was very easy to sort of throw everything into the ground and it would just grow different from my sort of cold climate to mountain life in Tassie. But, you know, in terms of growing, I would always grow turmeric, you know. So turmeric was something that if you're in a warm environment, piece of cake to grow, challenging to grow when you're not. But, um, you know, turmeric's a great one because you can juice it, you can cook with it, you know, you can dry it and then cook with it later, uh, put pop it into capsules as a dried plant. So I love turmeric, love it. Um, but probably one that's much more approachable also is rosemary. I think rosemary is highly underrated as a herb, um, so antioxidant rich and very multi-system, like it really pops over into many systems in the body but has a real livery effect. So it's got that sort of liver will stimulate the liver and sort of work on re regeneration in the liver and moving things through the liver. So I love rosemary. I think it's a beautiful herb to drink in a tea. Like rosemary and lemon is actually a really gorgeous drink. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah, cook with it a plenty. Um, so that's a simple one. Like rosemary is so easy to grow. You know, mm. it's one of those, you know, herbs that are pretty low fuss. Um I suggest, I mean, I, I'm just such a huge fan of everyone putting, growing heaps of culinary herbs because they have such a sort of detoxy effect generally. Yeah. Even things like, you know, coriander, which again can be a little bit more particular to grow, but, you know, coriander has such a great sort of affinity for that kind of metally detox picture as well. And all these herbs, parsley, whatnot, they're all just so high in antioxidants and and none of that, hurts when you're trying to detoxify yeah. it's all good you know what I mean like yeah. just adding more green into your food and cooking with more green um it's funny because we've been talking about liver herbs and in my field uh on my, on my paddock here we've got so much thistle growing and in amongst the scotch thistle which is um the thistle that you'll probably commonly see sort of in the paddocks it's a taller thinner purpley flower there's St. Mary's thistle growing there. Big oh, mama St. Mary's thistle. Yeah, and that's growing in the field, which most farmers see it as a big pest, but I was, like, totally delighted. You to would have it, been you know. so stoked. <laughs> I was so stoked, you know. And then we have nettle growing in the field too, so they're the herbs that I sort of came, arrived here and that were here. And that's another funny thing, like, look around your environment, what is growing around you? Often what is growing around you is what you need. You know, if you land in a new place, you know, it's so fascinating what herbs are there. Every home I've been in, it's been different themes of kind of what I'm moving through and what's in the garden. Yeah. I mean, nature's that. a wild mirror. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you're in the city and you're like, well, I don't know what's growing near me. It's just a park with lawn. Well, actually, when that lawn grows, when it's left to actually grow, what you see are so many different amazing plants and if you want to get to know them there are so many beautiful guide um, tour guides out there like I'm thinking of Diego here in Sydney who does his fantastic weed tours and I've learned so much yeah. from him and now I, I don't look awesome. at a piece of dandelion growing in the wild totally. ever ever <laughs> not the, the same way again yeah. no and um, have been known to cut it and um, take it home and cook with it so um, totally yeah. I think you can in the cities 
get to know what yeah. is growing around you and and therefore what you Absolutely. might need while you live in that place. There's, you're right. Like there's there's medicinal plants everywhere. And you know, I was just I was in um I was in town the other week and in in the city and you're right. Like I was actually at a park and they it had grown a little bit. There were dandies everywhere and there was like chickweed everywhere. There was shepherd's purse everywhere. You know, there's there's so many different medicinal plants. And then also just like what are your neighbors growing? Like what's what's almost spilling over, you know, mm. onto the sidewalks? Like people often have so much medicinal stuff growing in their yards as well. Obviously, we're not going to go into the yards, but you know, just being aware <laughs> of like what's around us and what's kind of on on our walks in our everyday as well. And it's just ultimately, you know, we talked about detoxification from a really physical place, but just to also bring awareness that detoxification and when you're working on your body the way that you can really enhance it is to actually think about it in a much more open sense of what are you taking in what are you listening to what relationships are actually burdening your systems you know what are you not loving where's the nectar how can you clear it all out like all of that too it should come along with that piece of actually working in your body you're not just a body you're all the other things you know yeah uh, I c- could not agree with you more and I think that's why I'm so glad that things like what you just said and nervous system support and um, and nourishment through detoxification rather than like like this thing that you're doing to your body to get a result. You know, when you're having a beautiful cup of tea and taking in that nature, um, that's a totally... Um, it can be a spiritual experience it doesn't it's not all mechanical and I think real detoxification and health never is 100% mechanical so truly it's not mm. exactly it's sort of we're not we can't compartmentalize you know Mm-mm. we have to think about ourselves in a whole kind of way and uh, yeah so the interesting another you know another layer but an interesting thing for everyone to consider if you're listening as well around wanting to start a sort of kick off something you know it's really thinking about how what has actually been burdening you yeah Hmm. because you know health the often the drivers of ill health are definitely not from a just a physical perspective Mm you know no I think of the late um Stephen Sinatra the amazing pioneering uh integrative cardiologist who passed away sadly earlier this year and he, I've spoken to him, I think, three times for the podcast and once for one of our courses. And he always said, you know, if there is something you need to cry about, cry. That will heal your heart just as much as any medication, any magnesium, orotate, any anything I could throw at you. Yeah, yeah. you got to yeah. heal the heart through the emotions that you need to process as well. And yeah. Um, Bless him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, 75 year old guy in a white jacket telling us to do that. So it's totally, it's it's so, um, I, I feel like we're at a place now where we're actually starting to truly define what healing is beyond the mechanical and beyond the, I need to pull these levers to get these results. And it's all quite methodical and, and to just actually be brave enough to start going, oh, shit, actually, I never stood up to my um, abusive English teacher and that totally ruined my teenage years. Or, you know, the things that we haven't processed yeah. that are just lodged yeah. in our bodies, that's part of the detoxification journey too, more often than not. Truly. 
It really is, you know, and often I always ask people, you know, when they talk about their body, something's going on with their body, let's say they have eczema, and I say, well, when did it begin or what was going on when it began, you know, and it's so interesting. Often people don't connect those dots, you know, that there's an origin to something expressing itself in the body, you know, and that's actually the invitation is the origin. Um, And that, yeah, that comes along with anything, but particularly when you're feeling burdened, you know, you might go, oh my God, well, last year was just so intense and I didn't get to eat as well as I hoped. I didn't get to move my body as much as I'd hoped. And okay, well, that's the origin of that. Let's change that story. What does Mm. that look like for you? You know, just get to inquire about what the beginnings of something is. Yeah. Was. Oh, yeah. So good, Erin. I feel like people are going to come away from this thinking, God, I thought I was going to go into a detox show, <laughs> um, going take yeah. this much milk thistle on this many days and do, right. you know, but I think they got so much more. So I thank you so much for your time and your beautiful wisdom so and desire to share. Oh, really, really so appreciated. Welcome. Oh, so nice to talk to you, Alex. And that is today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. A reminder, we have so many fantastic shows in our archives these days. If this particular topic was helpful to you, head over to lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast and click on the podcast directory, which gives you food, body, home, mind, and environmental health topics segmented so you can see all the shows that we've done in all of those areas and head straight to what you want. A reminder, we also have 10 fabulous e-courses that I've written with various doctors, naturopaths, health professionals, and experts over the years to support you on your low-tox journey, whether it's making daily swaps, getting ready to make babies, looking after your inflammation, you can hit the courses tab on lowtoxlife.com to explore those. And lastly, I would love to meet you on socials. Go and head over to at lowtoxlife on Instagram or find us on Facebook. It's always such a pleasure to chat and see how you guys are going when you share favorite shows and share them with your friends. I absolutely love that. A little reminder, of course, that all of our shows are not intended as medical advice. They are intended to open the minds and hearts of people and maybe help you explore something you hadn't considered yet, but please always check in with your health professional. And one last little request, if you have time to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, that would just mean the world to me because it helps us get out there and have other people have confidence that that thing they're considering pressing play on is absolutely worth it. I'll catch you for the next show you tune into. Thanks for joining me again. This is Alex Stewart, founder of Lotox Life.